Heavenly Father, during this time, Lord, would you allow us to hear from you? Let your word be lifted so that we might understand more of who you are. You do make a way out of no way, Father. You provided salvation to your people, conquered death, and now you live. For some, this will be a new message. Help them to grasp the depths of it. For some, they've heard this message for now 20, 30, 60 years. And we pray it would not get old, but spark a flame, set a fire to every person in here, every person at home, that we would live passionately for you. Remove me that you might be the focal point. In Jesus' name, amen. It is uh, music like they just sang that, that, that'll really kind of get to me. You know, a, a good song uh, just makes you feel connected. It can, it can lift your spirits when you're a little low or it can just calm you when you're feeling a little anxious. And sometimes there's certain artists that go to the next level. Certain artists that like when they songs start to hit stuff, it just transcends. You start finding their songs everywhere. Like, you know, like Coldplay, find them everywhere. You, what's the other? Uh, you, you too. You know, you find them everywhere. And so I'm, I'm uh, hearing one of my favorite rappers and I'm, and I'm realizing I'm finding him everywhere. I'm actually kicking it with my kids and we're watching a movie. We're watching uh, um, Miles Morales the Spider-Man cartoon movie, and then I hear, uh, 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 and you know, and then that Biggie just comes in banging. I'm like, oh, they got Biggie on Miles Morales, and 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 Biggie's, he's a rapper at that level. He's one of those, like, every time somebody says, who's your favorite rapper, he's already in the top five, and his music, though, is beyond just hip-hop. It's like everywhere. It's even in major motion pictures, and I liked Biggie because Biggie was deep. Biggie, even though you felt like he was one of the guys in the way that he spoke, he also thought about some deep stuff. So deep that the names of both of his albums were like eerily weird after he passed. His first album was called Ready to Die. Three simple words, ready to die. And then his second album was called Life After Death. Life After Death. This this man who wrestled with a bunch of different themes from money to ladies to how the hood operated also was wrestling with the afterlife. Life after death. And you don't have to be somebody that that is always thinking about these things in order for right now you to be considering life after death. I mean, if you've never considered it before right now, we are considering it because covid has brought death right to our doorsteps. Even if it's not something that consumes you, you are a person that at some point think about your future, you think about your financial future and you invest in a 401k or you invest in social security or you don't even like that they're taking your social security. Can I get a holla? Uh, but they're doing that for your 
future, even if you have health insurance, you're thinking about someday. You're thinking about your future. Well, if we are willing to invest in our physical future, how are you investing in your spiritual one? How are you preparing for life after death? You see, today's celebration, today's sermon, today's word of encouragement is all about life after death. And the Bible has some amazing things to say about it. I'd love for you to grab your Bible. If you don't have one, there'll be scriptures on the screen uh, at different points as I'm speaking. Uh, But we believe that the Bible is a message from God put in written form. So most of what we believe and follow as Christians is not things that we randomly hear and are pulling at. It is God's word given unto us. And so when we worship, we worship based on what he has already spoken in his word. But we trust his spirit to move and have its being. And so if you could turn with me to John chapter 14, verse six. John chapter 14, verse six, we're going to be flipping around a little bit. You'll be mostly in the New Testament. You can put your finger in uh in Matthew and put your finger in Luke. I won't have you jumping around too much, but we're going to start in uh, John chapter 14, verse six. And it simply says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. I am the way. The truth. And the life. I want I want to help us unpack what that means and how it gets fulfilled throughout eternity by thinking of three simple terms. And those three simple terms will help us understand how resurrection week has played out. The three simple terms are this, the way being connected to his kingdom role, the truth being connected to his salvific role or him being our savior And the life being connected to him, being our redeemer, king, savior, redeemer. There is there is a. a, an, An interesting way in which we think about kingdom because we don't know what a king is having lived in America. In America, we can take the president's name and like dog it, rip up pictures and stuff like that but in the era of the bible that what the king says goes actually the king provides a way to make sure that you are protected cared for and that you flourish the king's goal is to make sure that his people are thriving and as he has a thriving people base his kingdom flourishes that much more but the king lays out the rules the king establishes The process, the king is the one who dictates what is good and what is not. You cannot flourish in a kingdom and try to serve a separate king. It's it's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. And so when we talk about uh, the king in the week of the passion narrative, Jesus Christ 
kingdom authority gets the the kind of stamp of approval, the 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 seal of, hey, he is who he said he is. He is the king as we see him come into this thing called the triumphal entry. Triumphal entry. We talked about it last Sunday on Palm Sunday, where where Jesus is coming in on this donkey and people are taking off their robes, their cloaks, and they're laying them at his feet. They're throwing them on the donkey and they're grabbing whatever they can. They're grabbing, you know, these different palm branches. Kids, y'all remember that from last week? We had our palm branches and we waved and celebrated Jesus and we laid our palm branches before him. Almost like a red carpet was being rolled out for the king. And people were shouting this term. They were shouting what you would find in Matthew 21 verses 9 through 11. Matthew chapter 21 verses 9 through 11. The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It was like they had just won the national championship and their quarterback was coming down and they were saying, we did it. Like they are shouting his praise. They are saying. That's the king. They are saying, "Okay, there's been this line of people preparing us for when the king would come that at some point he's going to come and we're looking we're searching we're waiting and finally we see the markers that tell us this is the king and so the beginning of this easter week is the celebration of jesus and his kingdom role That he is the one who determines the way unto God, that that he is the king who no one can come to the father except through him. A king gets to determine. Who has access and who thrives in the kingdom. And so that's how the week starts. It starts with celebration, waving, celebrating this God. But then things take a a turn, a drastic turn, because even though Jesus is coming as king, he doesn't come in the way that you and I expect because he has a purpose and his purpose is to handle some business. I, I, um, I, I it's, it's interesting, you know, we, we stay in the hood and so people will knock at your door sometime. And sometimes folks will come knock at the door and they want to do a service for you. You know, like, hey, can I cut your grass? Hey, can I shove your driveway? Hey, can I? And, you know, it's always interesting when it's a total stranger and they're trying to, like, get in with you a little bit first. So they try to strike up conversation before they actually ask you. It's like, so, you know, how long you guys been living around? And how many kids do you have? Dude, what can you get to the point, please? Like, I, I, I ain't trying to be rude. I just want to I got kids in the background. I'm cooking a grilled cheese sandwich like, bruh, like, what's up? How can I bless you? What's happening? Like, get to the point. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus gets right to the point. There's no question about why he is here. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. 
He simply says this. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. To seek and to save the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life is what John 3.16 says. And so now what happens is we go from from a celebration of the king to a people who want to see him crucified. Why is that? Because Jesus a long time ago said there's a wrong that has been set in motion in the life of humanity and I want to come and make it right. There's a wrong that started when Adam and Eve wanted to run their own kingdom instead of submit to my kingdom. And in running their own kingdom, they set off a ripple effect of drama. And we dealing with the drama of our spiritual grandmama and grandpappy. We dealing with that drama today. And Jesus says, I am coming to right that wrong to get you back in the correct order in the correct kingdom and the way that he's going to do it is not how you and i would do it if i would do it i would just come and crack my fingers boom let's make it happen everybody heal let's roll jesus comes and says no the problem that i see present in people is going to take a miracle solution you see the problem is that we have sin within us not simply that sin exists out there which it does there is a breakdown in our world and because of that there are the whole earth is groaning for a day when all things will be at peace so from earthquakes to tornadoes everything i believe is a result of the fall any experience of pain that we have is a result of the fall but there is an issue within us and it is sin And the Bible uses that term sin as one word, but one word can't simply capture the magnitude of the different impact of that word. And so the Bible uses 11 different words just to help you understand one meaning. 11 words to help you understand sin. So we talked about that during our Good Friday service, because if Jesus came to to care for, to seek and save the lost, then what did it mean to be lost? To be lost means that we are sinners. Lost, still trying to go about doing life our own way. And so you can be a sinner when you simply miss the mark. That's the, the most common definition when you are supposed to be lining up, doing, aiming at a target that Jesus sets for you. And instead of choosing that target, you choose a different target. It doesn't have to be simply you just rebelling and being wild. It can be you just want to do your own thing. You know how we do. I don't know if my mama watching this or not, but back in the day, you know how kid, kids, are, we're we going to say what we need to say to get what we want to get. So, you know, mama say, hey, boy, you know, you want to go outside? Yeah, I want to go outside. I'm going to ride my bike. Okay. Make sure you stay in this area. I grew up as a child in, a, in, a, in an apartment complex, and it was a fence that almost went all the way around the apartment complex. So, hey, stay in the apartment complex. Cool. Okay, mama. As soon as mama looked the other way. I'm rolling. 
over my boy's house, way out of where I'm supposed to be. And 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 some would say, but you were just a kid doing something. No, my mom had set what I should be doing and I chose not to do it. Whether I got caught or not, that was a behavior of sin. When God has something in mind for us and yet we choose something different. And so sin can be present in a variety of ways. And Jesus says, I got to deal with that. I got to deal with your propensity, with your tendency, with your desire to instead of listen and choose me, instead of to do what I have planned for you. And trust me, my plan is so much better than yours. But instead of that. You keep going off doing your own thing. And so I want to break you from the shackles that keep you making bad decisions. And the only way that I can break you free from that sin is to die on a cross. This perfect Jesus, an innocent man, fully man and fully God, all in one says, I'm going to enter into the world so that I can seek men and women that are lost and allow them to be saved. And he uses the vehicle of the cross. First Peter two, 24 through 25 says these words. First Peter two verses 24 through 25 says these words. It says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So we have this Jesus comes in as king. And rightly so. Because through him is the way in which you can have access unto the father, unto heaven. But the means that he chooses to take and notice I say choose because no one forced Jesus to do anything. Jesus up until his last breath says, I am giving of my breath. I am giving of my life. I submit my life unto the father. He chooses when he would die on our behalf and he does so so that you and I would be saved from the bondage of slavery. That 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 you don't have to make bad choices anymore, that the choices that I make can bring Jesus joy when I submit. And so now we enter into this story, though. Because if you have a person that is your everything, if you have a person that you're learning from, if you have a a God that you're listening to, if you've walked with Jesus and you've seen him perform miracles. You've seen him raise some folks from the dead. You've seen him do some stuff that, you know, there's no way that was an accident. That was the power of God right there. And it all seems to bank. On one thing. And he tells us that it's going to bank on one thing. He tells us that, hey, in the future, I'll be coming back again. But I'm going to have to go through some stuff in order for for you to experience this salvation. We enter into our scriptures today 
And don't worry, I won't be too, too long. We enter into our story today with people having just watched Jesus die. He just went through the the flogging where they have nails that are ripping out his his flesh. He just went through um, being pierced in his side. He just went through uh, having a, a, a crown of thorns put on his head. He just went through people who he would die for having the choice to choose him, an innocent man or a known criminal. And they choose to set the criminal free. He just went through all of this. And he just died. He just gave up his last. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. It's a long chapter. Go down towards verse 50. Luke chapter 23 verse 50. It says, now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath. They rested according to the commandment. There's a a couple of things happening here that 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 you might miss but are so applicable to our time today. First off, this man, Joseph, if if you had watched your loved one on a cross, no matter what they did, even if they were a criminal, that was still your loved one. If you had watched them die on a cross, you couldn't just go have access to them. You couldn't just go be with them. You couldn't just go and bury them. And so thankfully, there's a brother with some clout. That steps in a, a, a brother named Joseph. And because he has an end already, he says, come on now. Let let pilot let, let let me get the body. And let me take care of this instead of your normal crew of people who just go ahead, take bodies and treat them like nothing. Allow me to take the body and I'll prepare it. It's 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 an an eerie. Similarity to today. In the midst of our, our, our COVID situation, there are people who would get calls from loved ones right now. And they say, man, I, ju- I felt like I just talked to him. I mean, imagine that's what Mary's going through. She she had seen Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And then while Jesus is kicking it with Peter, Jesus gets arrested and goes down a whole new path where she can't even embrace him, touch him or feel him. All she can do is see at a distance him being taken advantage of. And in this season, I'm talking to families who are saying, Pastor, we were with my aunt or we were with my mom or we were with my cousin. And now they're in the hospital system and we can't even get access. 
We don't know what's going on. We wish we had an an inside track to be able to give us the help that we need because all we want to do is care for our loved one. That's the situation we're coming into here. And Joseph is that inside track. Mary just wants to be in the presence of Jesus so she could properly care for his body. She wants to get the proper, uh, um, what do they call here, spices and ointments together. Why? Because because there's a way in which you you mourn, a way in which you grieve, a way in which you bring closure is when you're able to have a proper a proper burial. And so, as we know today, this has been a a struggle, a tough part of our reality because of covid. We're getting a glimpse into what it was like. For the disciples, for those who followed him. For these amazing women that journeyed with him. Who came from Galilee. I want to share a a short story with you. Because we are having uh, we didn't pray for our our brother and our sister, our brother Rafiq and our sister Rhea um, as their mom is battling COVID right now. Uh, And I'm sorry, y'all, I forgot to pray for them. But family, we will continue to be praying for y'all if y'all are watching this and and uh, Mac families continue to keep them on our prayer list. But my wife has shared with me an article that was in the uh, Detroit News. The article was titled Unimaginable Pain. Coronavirus robs Michigan woman of whole family. There's a woman named Sandy Brown. And the the article reads, imagine awakening from one nightmare only to slip into another. In three days last week, Brown lost her husband. And her son. Freddie Lee Brown, Jr. and Freddie Lee Brown, Jr. The third to the coronavirus. Freddie Lee, Jr. uh, Freddie Lee, the third was her only son. It ravaged every stage of 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 her torment. It. From the illnesses to the deaths to grieving, she has just been going through it. She couldn't comfort her husband and her son. She couldn't say goodbye. Even in death, the virus hasn't relinquished its hold because it's a mockery when she thinks of the actual funeral she was able to have. It deprived Brown of receiving what she needs most right now, which is just the basic love, support and care. Something just like a hug. She said words can't even describe the pain that I'm in. It's unimaginable. Medical science says, though, that I should be traumatized, that that I had a traumatic experience twice and I should be banging my head against the wall. But God said no. I'm standing here in the strength of the Lord, not of my own strength. God has got me. Normally, because he was a, an elder in the Kojic church, normally leaders from all over the nation will come when an elder passes away. But unfortunately, at this point, all family, friends and those that supported her could do at the burial site was drive by in their cars. No one was even allowed out in the car. 
This is what's happening in the midst of our COVID season where life and our ability to have closure and our ability to engage and connect with those that we love most. Those channels have changed drastically, leaving us longing for just a way to connect. And that's how we enter into this story. That's the backdrop of this story. Joseph set up a hookup so that Jesus's body could be cared for. The women have to leave because it's the Sabbath day and there's a day and a half of rest that must take place. Nothing can be done to care for his body. But oh, wait till the morning comes. Mary is ready. Here I go. I'm going to go see my Jesus. I'm going to get this closure. I at least am going to be able to see him. Now look with me in chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, and we're still in Luke chapter 24. Verse. Verse one. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Pause for a second. And and family, you're going to say, well, pastor, you're going to give some different thoughts, different reflections. You're going to encourage the other. But you're reading a lot of the text. Family, I want you to know that greater than my words are the words of God himself. And so if you leave today like, man, he didn't shout enough. He didn't scream enough. But I understood that story. Man, I, I learned more about God than, than than mission accomplished right now. All right. And so they leave perplexed. Why? Because they just saw Jesus enter into a tomb that had not been used. Giant stone stone rolled in front of it and they are ready. They are at home getting everything prepared, getting everything ready to be able to care for him. And when they walk in, he's not. Present. A, a, a dead man, not present. The closure I was planning to have. What do I what do I do with this? Verse four, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. So 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 the the word that Jesus has been giving constantly. That I will rise, I will rise, I will rise is somehow eliminated out of the memory of all those who love him most. And, and, and you've been there. You've been there when when the wishes of your loved one are so clear when everything is healthy. 
when everything is all good, those wishes are easy to remember. Yeah, mama want this and auntie want this and cousin want this. But when that moment happens, when you're in that, that hospital room, when you get that call, trying to recall all that they said sometime can just leave. And all you know is you want them well. All you know is you want to care for them. All you know is you want a bit of closure, a bit of care, a bit of just being able to love on them. And so Mary and the whole crew of women go back and they go back and tell the men. And now the men are tripping. I don't know what's wrong with men. Like I ain't one of them. <laughs> the men are tripping. They're not even listening to the sisters. They they sadly in this culture, in this day and age, the testimony of a woman was not valued with that of a man. Now, I've, 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 I've done that before, not necessarily because a person was a woman, but I size you up and be like, mm, I don't know if you can get done what I'm trying to get done. We was blessed to, to, to get a chance to go to Disney. Somebody blessed us and hooked us up with a great opportunity. And, and uh, so we go to Disney and there's um, this lady who, well, there, there's parades that happen like two, two or three times a day at Disney. Giant, beautiful, amazing parades. So we're trying to find our place to be able to watch the parade. And there's a lady that's standing there and uh, she seems cool. Uh, we ask her a couple of questions about the parade. Where's the best place to sit? Um, but she's got on that kind of like regular outfit, you know, like maybe she sells slushies. Maybe she like sweeps up, you know, items. Maybe she like keeps the grounds nice. You know, I'm looking at her. I'm like, OK, well, you, you good for information. But I'm looking around for who can do something, who can put me in the spot I need to be in. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I and OK, I'm trying to see Donald Duck, Daffy, get the whole crew to the right spot. OK, so now I find the guy with the with the mic on. Got the collared shirt. He got a clipboard. You just know that he gets stuff done. So I'm kind of eyeing him a little bit. But before I can even go towards him and try to ask for a hookup. Yep. You know, I'm at Disney still trying to get a hookup. My wife or my mother-in-law, maybe it was me. One of us see the lady again and she's motioning to us. Come here. She comes and takes our family and puts us right at the opening of the parade. So that is every single character that comes out, we getting pictures with the characters right behind us, getting high five. You know, it's like. But we looked at her. I shouldn't say we. I looked at her, looked at her and based on what she had already assumed she couldn't do what I needed. I'm grateful that Jesus kind of flips the way that culture operates. Jesus says, though the culture might see these women as not having as much value. Guess who I'm going to come to first and reveal the truth. Guess who I'm going to come to. That's going to be the messenger to remind you of what I've been saying the whole time. I'm coming to the crew of sisters. You better value them. You better value their words. And so continue with me in verse verse 12. But Peter rose, ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves 
And he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter saw the linen clothes by themselves. I, I, um, I've, I'm, I'm grateful to have amazing parents. And uh, my parents have done something that someday will happen to me, but I, I don't look forward to it. And they have had to bury their parents. And I remember um, whether it's been my own parents or been uh, the case when I've had the opportunity to officiate a number of funerals. That when it comes time for the person who you love to be presented, you want to make sure they're looking right. You want to make sure they're decked out in the right outfit. You want to make sure that the funeral home does the best to capture the features that allow that person to look, to look beautiful. And so Peter gets, in, in a sense, kind of blown away because in essence, what happens is Joseph wraps him up almost as if you could consider a mummy. He wraps up Jesus. Jesus is in the tomb. Nobody been in the tomb. And then Joseph, I mean, then uh, Peter walks in and the wrappings of the linen are laid in the same place as if somebody just sucked the body out. Like like the head wrap is moved in a different place, but it still has the form of of a head and of the body. You talk about being perplexed. He walks in the room like, like, can you imagine like your loved one and the whole outfit you picked out? Everything is just sitting there perfect, but the body is missing. You see, that that's what happens to Peter. And that's why Peter leaves marveling at what had happened, because he knows, hold up. <laughs> this what this what this wasn't what other people are going to try to make it. Yeah, there were thieves that used to break in and steal stuff just like now. Folks steal rings off of the deceased, gold, all types of stuff. Yeah, people would do that. But nobody, nobody would take Jesus's body and leave the linens perfectly lined up. Continue with me. Verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus and seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about these things that had happened while they were talking and discussing together. Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking at him sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And our and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped. But we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. You see, they they had believed in Jesus when they saw the miracles. They believed in Jesus when they saw him go through the pain. They believed in Jesus when he gave of his last breath. But 
now they began to lose hope. When they didn't see him living. When they didn't see him rising after death. When they when they didn't see it play out in the way that they thought, oh, well, he's going to just come kick open the kick open the door and show everybody that he's here. You know what? He's not even going to a tomb. I bet you that happened. I bet you they kill him on a cross and then he's going to pop back up on the cross. You can only imagine all of the things they thought because they had no idea how Jesus would rise. And so while hearing him describe this and tell him, tell them that he would rise They began to lose hope. So much so that he does a little counseling session with them. Come here, let me care for y'all. Let me help y'all see. Let me help y'all understand this. Because I can't I can't understand why y'all are feeling hopeless at this moment. Why there is a sense of hopelessness. When I've risen. Verse 21. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Thought he might rise after a few minutes. Thought he might rise after a a half a day. I thought once they put him in that tomb, but you telling me three days? Who can come back from death after three days? Verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they didn't see. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones of slow heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He breaks it down. Y'all are missing it. Y'all are missing it. You're lacking hope. But actually, your hope should be infused, should be empowered because everything that Mo said, everything that Jeremiah said, everything that Ezekiel said, keep naming these prophets, keep naming, keep naming, keep naming. It has come to pass. It has come to pass. And so in verse 28, they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if we were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening. The day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with him. He went in to stay with him. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them. One one more uh, example of communion taking place. And their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us to the scriptures? And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. 
Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Oh, family. Do you see? Do you see that this this losing of hope takes place when we allow the world to dictate our reality? See, Jesus told them that he would rise and that they would see him again. But what they saw led them to not believe what he said and to create a new reality. Well, because he didn't rise, we hope that he would be the one, our redeemer. The one who would set all things straight, the one that would pay all debt that we owe, the one that would free us from those shackles. Everything that he talked about and those prophets talked about, all of those things. He fell short. Because now it's been three days and he's been dead just like anyone else dies. But. But. He said to them. These words that helped them grasp the concept of 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 what God is continuing to speak to us today. This concept that because he has risen, they are not going to miss out on an opportunity to see him. That the closure that they want, the closure they desire. The redeeming presence of the Lord, the fulfillment of every scripture is going to happen once they gain understanding. Once they see him properly in the way that he desires that they see him, once their hope is now renewed. He has risen. He has risen. And so in verse 36, it says, as as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. We got an, an example of this from, uh, from John chapter 20. There's 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 a dude that I that I could just easily see as one of my cousins. Right. Guy named Thomas. Now, everybody else sees Jesus. Jesus comes back. They see him. They are in awe. They're like, whoa, this 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 Jesus is living. He is alive. He is risen. Thomas wasn't there, though. And Thomas comes back and they're telling him, hey, we saw Jesus. We saw Jesus, man. And Thomas is like. I ain't see Jesus. I I believe it when I see it. And what happens? Jesus reveals himself. Jesus reveals himself to Thomas. In chapter 20, verse 27, he says, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. But believe. 
You see, some of us are types of folks that are like, only once I actually see it for myself, then I know it's good. And the Bible is trying to help you understand it's already laid out plainly for you right here. As you are considering what life after death looks like, what it will mean for you, know the story. Understand the gravity of the decision that you are making. It is not something you can keep putting off and putting off. And it is truly unwise, dare I say foolish, for you to be putting your hope in something else that will die and remain dead. But God's word is trying to help you get the fullness of the story that there is a king who is in charge, who has a way to him, who is providing you access so that you can experience a new life for you. He says, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to take any pain that you should receive for your rebellious ways, any way that you choose to turn away from God and do your own thing. Every time you choose your own marks. Your own targets. And ignore the way of the father. I'm willing to die for that. But I'm also willing to live. I'm also willing to offer you new life. I'm also willing to demonstrate that I am God because I am the only one that once death had passed, new life began. You see, this Jesus is unique in what he claims and in what he does. He claims to be God. And only God can conquer death. Only God can conquer death. I told some of y'all a story about when I was at a store and uh, needed some tires. And this man pulls up to me. And uh, while I was at the tire store and needed some tires, this man steps in and says, hey, you know, I, I'll, I'll cover his tires. And he blessed me and, and paid for my tires. And uh, it was a, yeah, rims too, rims and tires. It was a, a crazy blessing. But what, what was like the, the kind of final straw that, that like allowed me to like breathe and not just get a little hype and be like, mm, okay, let's see how this go. Was when the man pulled out his card, paid for it. And then the guy who was the attendant gave me my keys. Because, see, I still didn't know. Maybe he was going to try to front and act like he was the man, and then they was going to reject his car. Like, sorry, bro, we ain't taking this one. You got another one. I didn't know how it was going to go. I was bracing myself. But when they gave me my keys, I had a chance to now take off in my new, new ride. You see, the, the resurrection, Jesus dying and then living is proof that he is God and he has done all that he said he would do. Your salvation can be experienced and achieved because Jesus lives. Said another way, if Jesus does not live, if Jesus does not conquer death, if he does not rise after he's on that cross, everything he promises is false. Everything he promises, it, it, it isn't true. One of the ways we know that that these people that were mourning, 
that were grieving, that felt hopeless, that were sad and felt abandoned, couldn't even feel, felt like they couldn't even get to the one that they loved. Why they shifted from a place of anger, sadness and being just at the low of lows to a place of. Hmm, let's see what it says. Look at me. Verse 44, 40, 41. Excuse me. We're back in um, back in Luke. Verse 41. And while they still disbelieved uh, for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that the repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. Hear this. Hear how they how they how how things began to how they began to respond in these next verses. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. All right. So he's telling them, I've risen. Your sins have now been forgiven. But there's someone who's going to come and clothe you with power on high. This whole thing of salvation is a God thing. God represented in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit and the father. The father set the plan. Jesus went and executed the plan and the spirit empowered Jesus to conquer death. And now that spirit is going to fall down on us and empower us to walk it out. This is the God we serve. There's power on high. Last three verses. The last three verses. That switch up from people who were sad, down, disappointed. Tell me the posture that you're going to see now. Well, how, how, do, how are they described now? Verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. These folks who felt down and out. Who felt hopeless. Who were scared that the one who made the promises to redeem them from slavery of sin from bondage are now the people who are celebrating are now the people that are worshiping not worshiping just to make other people feel good not worshiping in order to impress worshiping because the joy is now in them why do they feel that joy because they know that they will see him again see him again you see the closure that they need happens because death does not shackle jesus jesus conquers death 
rises and now they are able to see him. You see, there's a different type of 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 understanding when you know death is not the end. Like like all of our Christianity, the the let me ask this question in the chat. Um, what what symbol is the most popular for Christians? What symbol is the most popular for Christians? I think that's a an, an easy lob. But if you look at First Corinthians fifteen, I'd love for you to 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 see these verses with me. And COVID is 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 crazy because. Sometimes you like I like want to cough just like because I got a little tickle in my voice. Nothing's wrong. I'm feeling good, but I'm scared to have y'all scared. So I'm just holding back even little sniffles. First Corinthians 15. Verses 12 through 14 says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed and raised from the dead, how can some say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Like, like while the cross is, is the most known symbol for Christianity, all of our faith, everything that we have is built on this Sunday. It's built on the resurrection. It's built on Jesus Christ Rising from the dead. If he doesn't rise, nothing else was fulfilled. No shackles set free so I can dance. No reason to praise. No reason to have joy. But that's the same reality for every believer. That's why in the midst of pain in the midst of sorrow in the midst of some of the most gut-riching situations that we experience when you know that you love jesus and your loved one knows love jesus you know that death is not the end and it is one of the only comforts one of the only comforts sometimes that gets you through because you realize Someday you'll see them again. Someday. That you will see them again. I love Romans 8 11. It says. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Simply simply put fam. Jesus conquered death rises. We shall go through death and because we love Jesus shall rise too and be with him again. That's why he said, I'm going to make it clear. I'm here to seek the lost so I can find them. And once I find them, I want them to know this simple truth that I am the way my kingdom or no kingdom. The truth I offer you salvation and can conquer it. Believe it or not. The way, the truth and the life. I am the redeemer. I am the one who lives. 
I am the one who sets all things back in order. I am the one who has freed you from the bondage of slavery. I had the the opportunity to officiate um, one of my aunt's funerals. And uh, she really was a cousin. But, you know, in our family, when you're of a certain age, kids just can't talk to you by your first name like that. Like you, you become auntie. So uh, as I was preparing this message, this kind of idea came back to me that I shared with my family some years ago. And it's one of, 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 of people all going to an airport. When you go to an airport, you go to fly and you go to the airport when you fly commercial. I'm not talking about y'all big ballers. They got your own jets and all that. I'm talking about the average person that goes to an airport. You go to the airport and everybody goes through security. They, they check you. They examine you. They, they see what you have on you. They see what you're bringing in. They're making sure that what's coming in uh, will not cause a problem for anyone else. But then after you go through security, everyone begins to go their own way. To their own gate based on their ticket. And one of the sad realities that somehow we can't relate to it on a spiritual standpoint is that physically you get that even though everyone came through security, people are going to different places. All flights are not going to land at the same location. Flights have different destinations. You see, family, death is 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 merely something that we all will go through. Whether it is sooner than we expect because of the use and influence of something like covid or whether it's decades from now. We still will all go through death. But are you are you foolish enough to think that everybody's getting to go to the same location? Foolish enough to think that all ways are going to lead to heaven. You see, the Christian believes that the only way in which we get to that heavenly destination is through the vehicle of Jesus. Through the vehicle of Jesus Christ, nothing else, not what we brought, not what we've done, not our pedigree, our titles, our money, our efforts, nothing else. The only way in which we get to our destination is through Jesus. And the only way that Jesus has proven to us from on this side, God always knew it. But the only way, the only way we know it and can have full faith in that is because he has risen. That's it. That's it. And there's proof documented here in the Bible, but there's proof documented based on the lives that took a total 180. Folks that were hopeless, looking down and sad, come out worshiping, celebrating, and now running in the in the synagogues continually with joy. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, quite honestly, I don't know how you get through something like death 
without knowing that you'll see this loved one again someday. I um, have had a chance to experience some different pain, some different, uh, some different heartache. And part of the reality of being a Christian is that, is that we can't change the, the eternal destiny of other people. And so Jesus is the one that comes in and helps comfort us. Because I've got some folks that don't love God or no folks that have passed that don't love him. And it is God's comfort, his mercy, his grace is the only thing that allows us to have our being as Christians wrestle with that reality, which is a weighty one. But one that God wants to care for us and nurture us and comfort us in. But also it moves us to share our faith. It moves us to tell others about a God who's done so much for them, including conquering death, so that everyone we love and know might might be with us, might be able to experience again, might be able to celebrate and have the worship party that's going to be above all other worship parties. I'm wearing a a tie that... uh, my grandmother gave me when after shortly after my grandfather passed. He uh, had a, a ton of suits and um, she gave me some of his ties because she they knew I was going going into ministry and stuff. And uh, she blessed me with some ties. I always like to get fresh anyway. So she hooked me up and it's a number of things like that that are in my life that just remind me I have. One of my grandmother's Bibles, like just some 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 elements that remind me that I'll see him again. Sister, uh, Sister Brown, who I I wrote that article about or read the article about her earlier. The article continued with a couple more things and then I'll then I'll be done for today. The article said. That uh, she placed an interior lining in her son's coffin that displayed a football and the S symbol for Michigan State. She put a, uh, a MSU football jersey draped just over the over the coffin. He loved football so much, and he was planning. Her son was planning to attend MSU this coming year, and was just saying he was focused on being a walk-on on the team. He was working out, getting ready was going to try to make the team as a walk-on. But there was one little thing that she added. Both caskets contained a small purple stuffed bear. It was a family tradition that Sandy had started with the death of her grandmother back in 1999. The bear represents to her, represents her showing she will be with her loved ones forever she said that made the farewell easier for her to be able to endure it family whether it's a bear whether it's a cross or whether it's the words found in scripture take hope in knowing that because Jesus has risen we have access to eternal life and will be able to dwell with him. He has conquered death. 
that we might have life. If that is true, what are you doing? If that is true, what are you living for? You still want to shoot for a different mark? If that is true, how should you respond? Respond today first. If you love Jesus, respond today, reminding yourself of that reality and do like the disciples did. Let joy flow from you. There's no way we should be just down and out Christians when he's died for us and raised for us. Respond embracing the joy of the Lord. And second, as I call you to act, respond with joy and respond by sharing with somebody the truth of who Jesus is. Let them know that he's king, that he's savior, and that he's redeemer. My, my call to action for anyone that loves Jesus is to live out that joy and share it with somebody else. Because he's risen. He is risen. But if you don't know Jesus. And if you are saying, OK, Pastor, I hear you tell these long stories and all this stuff in the Bible. But you know what? Today. I understand. I understand that there's that there's a, a demonstration of Jesus coming through. And it happened at the resurrection. It happened when he showed that he lives. I don't understand everything about this God, but I want to start living for him. If he would die so I can live, then I want to start my living today. I want the spirit to fill me and come down on me today. I want to be used and empowered by God today. I want to submit and stop shooting my target and aim for his. If that is where you are, then we would love today to be the first day that you celebrate being a part of God's kingdom. We would love for you to pray a simple prayer. You can repeat after me. If you're at home and you want to serve Jesus, you just simply say, Lord, I believe in you. I give my life to you. Because you gave your life for me. I believe you died on the cross. To 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 cleanse me of my sins. So that I may have new life. And rise with you. If you've prayed that prayer and believe that in your heart, then today can be the first day of new life for you. We are excited to have you join with us at MacAv. And after this service, we're going to have a few times of fellowship. Let me give you the three ways that you could plug in. First, if you just accepted faith and you're a new believer, we're going to have a Zoom call or a Zoom meeting that happens right after this service uh, where I will be uh, logging on there and be caring for you for next steps to accepting Jesus. What that means. If you are here in our neighborhood, that'll mean one thing. But if you're somewhere else, it, it still has the same basic meaning. But I want to make sure I help you get plugged in to a local church. And so we'd love to have you join that Zoom call if you're new to faith. 
Uh, if you just want to kick it afterwards, usually when church is over, we start hugging each other, playing and kicking it and stuff like that. If you just want to do that, then just join our, we have a regular Zoom call for, for, for just hanging out. It's, it's, it's not as guided and scripted. We just do life together. And even if you knew, we would love to have you be present. And lastly, uh, we have an opportunity for prayer. If you would like someone from our, our prayer team uh, to call you and to pray with you, uh, we would love, we'd be honored that you would choose us. Feel free to just simply um, uh, text us or call 313-444-0036. Allow me to pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your word. May the reflection and the reminder of you rising from the grave, conquering death, so we might have new life, be something that moves us with joy. We are grateful for you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.